Inside the Game, brought to you by Raider Media. Welcome back to Inside the Game, brought to you by Raider Media. Derek Alberts here once again, back in South Africa after a nice three-week tour of Peru as we celebrated Toyota Gazoo Racing South Africa across the finish line in first place at the 2019 Dakar Rally. But uh, motorsport done and dusted for now. We're moving over to the rugby field, or for someone moving away from the rugby field, rather. Um, a couple of years ago, sitting at Ellis Park, and I'll never forget, Springboks up against the All Blacks. Uh, time almost done. The All Blacks look to have pulled uh, off a victory, and uh, Liam Messam uh, handing over a penalty to the box, and it was left to none other than Pat Lambie, the prodigal son, to kick over the penalty. It was 55 meters out, and he did the rest, and he sent the crowd into raptures. I've watched plenty of sporting events in my time, and that is right up there with the best of them. Probably my top three sporting moments of all time, and uh, courtesy of 15 men in green and gold, and one specifically who managed to do the business right at the death. But uh, very sad news coming from France a couple of days ago. Confirmation that Pat Lambie was retiring from the game at a very young age, not even 30 years old. Injuries taking their toll. And I'm very lucky to have him on the line from his home in Paris. Uh, Pat, when I messaged you a couple of days ago to, to ask if we could chat, you said it's been a, a roller coaster a couple of days. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you still feel the same way. Yes, hi, Derek. Um, that is true. It has been a real roller coaster over the last week or so. Um, very, very emotional. Uh, lots of fun memories to look back on um, and to reflect on, but also very sad to be stepping away from game I love so much yeah you know everyone that I've spoken to regarding your retirement so well firstly people were, were shocked at the fact that you are so young I mean we expect rugby players these days to go well into their 30s uh, especially if you're a back um, but I mean we, we all understand the nature of the business uh, injuries do certainly play a major role in the sport and uh, I think probably being away from South Africa um, over the last couple of years, uh, people haven't been that afraid uh, with how they have affected you. Of course, we all know what happened in, in that test match against Ireland uh, here in South Africa. Um, but if you can just fill us in as to exactly what they have, how you have been dealt in terms of those injuries over the last couple of years. Yeah, I think I, I, I've had a number of different injuries over the last few years in particular. Um, the knees and shoulders and ankles and groins and all of that, those are all injuries that uh, you can make a complete full recovery from with a bit of rest or sometimes an operation or, uh, you know, a, a thorough rehab and strengthening program. But unfortunately, I've also suffered from these concussions, these head knocks. And um, with all the doctors and specialists that I've seen, um, it's very difficult to think of them to have an idea of long-term consequences and the effects that, that, that these will have. And the biggest issue for me was that every time I was getting a head knock or a concussion, uh, it was taking me several several weeks and at the moment several months to shake off the symptoms after the head knock. And it was just uh, too much of a risk to carry on putting myself in these situations where I had the potential to get further injuries to my head. 
and that's why um, the advice is being to, to stop and not. Yeah, man, I can't tell you how upsetting it was uh, for the people back home hearing the news, and it's amazing. I mean, looking over, over your career, you know, we always speak about the, the so-called utility back, and I think you, you certainly are a player that filled in that role given the amount of positions you played in the back line, but uh, 50... At 56 test matches for the Springboks, uh, including two World Cups. Um, mm. the, the question has to be asked. I mean, which position did you did you enjoy playing the most? Um, I, I know that you, obviously, you represented the box mostly at fly-off and full-back. And, yeah. yeah, was it 10 or 15 that you enjoyed playing in the most? Um, I think I, I, I was very lucky in my career to have experienced Playing in different positions because I really believe it helped grow grow my game. Obviously, I had to learn the different roles and different aspects required in each each position, and it gave you um, you know a, a different viewpoint of of rugby and the, the tactics behind it and skill sets required for each of those positions. Um, I have some really good memories in in all the positions I've played: fly half, fullback, and centre. But I, I really feel like I played most of my rugby at Saha over the last few years of my career, and uh, I'd I'd have to say that I enjoyed that the most because you're in the game all the time. You you're touching the ball. You're involved in defence and attack. You're you're right in the thick of it. Um, you know, a lot of the time, you're required to call the plays. Um, kicking responsibilities often yours too. So those are all things that I thrived on. Um, so I'd have to say fly half to answer the question. Yeah, not too much of a surprise. I think uh, most of us yeah. uh, remember you uh, as that uh, whippity number 10. Uh, your career yeah. highlights, I mean, plenty, I'm sure. Uh, I just mm. look back at, uh, I think, two Curry Cup victories to your name. I think that very first one, which uh, saw you put in a, a man-of-the-match performance against Western Province, which included a try which saw you hand off Skulk Berger while you crossed the whitewash. Yeah, that, that was a that was a dream come true. That whole experience on that day in October in two thousand and ten. Um, I was very lucky to be involved in such a good shark team with great management, and we've had a uh, a really good season. Um, scored lots of tries during the Curry Cup, and being encouraged to play an attacking style of rugby, which which I love. Um, and then we went on to win that day and straight after the final whistle found out my name was included on the um, end of your tour with the Springboks as well. So it was a real a real um, dream come true on, on that day and probably one of the best days of my life, let alone my career. Talk us through your mm. transition from a provincial and super rugby player through to the Springbok team. Yeah, it all happened quite quickly for me. I was very fortunate to get or to be given an opportunity in the professional side of the Sharks um, early on in my career. And like I said, I think I, a big part of of that transition into the Springbok setup was because I was involved in such a successful Sharks team. Um, and look, it was something that I had dreamt of my entire life. Um, so, you know, I, I did have. I played some club rugby after school, some under twenty on rugby, then Curry Cup, and then you know eventually with with the Springboks as well. So there there were a few stepping stones, and 
the transition wasn't just all uh, straight at once or all at once straight away rather. Um, and I had some quality human beings around me um, on and off the field to help guide me and take me under their wing to get me through that transition. It's funny you mention quality human beings because every single person I chat to who's played or dealt with you, I think that is the first and foremost, the number one description that comes through when describing you. Um, and one of them includes John Smith. So I caught up with him a little earlier. He was uh, your captain for many, many years at both the Sharks and the Box, and uh, this is what he had to say. Paddy, just uh, a note from me. Smitty, just say, well done on a great career. Uh, what a privilege to watch you grow up and become a Springbok, and not just once, but 56 times, I think. All those tours on the Sharks. Um, I must say one of my fondest memories was lining you up on your first tour. I think you were 19 years old and giving you the blow-up shark to carry around for five weeks in Australia and New Zealand, which you did. Watching you blow that poor shark up before you boarded every single flight was something to behold. But you did it like you do everything with huge amount of discipline and commitment and not ever a moan or anything. Um, Your attitude is always good through the good and the bad. Your humility, respectful. Um, I said it ages ago. I didn't really mean it. But if there was one rugby player that I'd allow my daughter to date, it might be you even though that's no longer an option with a beautiful wife who's expecting your first child. Good luck with that. Good luck with the next chapter. And well done, Mew. Nice words from... Uh, yeah, thanks Smith. very much, John. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, great words from, from John. Uh, I mean, you've played many, many a year under the, the hooker. Um, you obviously yeah. played under a lot of captains. Um, who would you say are the most memorable skippers that, that you, you played under? Definitely John Smith. Um he was my, my first captain and he was the one that took me under his wing first uh, with the Sharks and with the Springboks. Um, the way he treated everyone uh, on and off the field, or whether you'd played 100 tests with him or whether it was your first one, he really made you feel comfortable and at ease and like he had your back. So forever grateful to him. Um, and Jean de Villiers was the other Springbok captain I spent a lot of time around and been captained by and again his his sense of humor um the way he'd always know when to when to keep it lighthearted or when to say something serious and profound uh, profound to motivate the team was really inspirational um and i love my time getting to know him and playing with him sharing a jersey with him too so they would be the two captains that stand out for me from a springbok point of view you captained a, a few times uh, in, in your career. Was that something that you aspired mm. to do? I mean, you also captained the Springboks against the Barbars. Yeah, the the it, that experience of being selected as well, having the honour to lead the Springboks against the Barbarians, certainly one of the proudest moments I've had in my life. Um, and I was fortunate to to lead the Sharks in a few Super Rugby matches too. So. Um, I wouldn't say it was something that I uh, that I strive towards, but it certainly wasn't something I was going to turn down. And I really enjoyed the responsibility um, and everything that that came with being a captain. You mentioned uh, the highlights uh, of your earlier career, talking about uh, the, the Curry Cup victories, moving over to the Springboks. But now, once having made the Bok team uh, in those fifty-six Test matches, moments that stand out for you. Uh, 
Of course, I'm sure that uh, 55 meter kick in Joburg uh, is one of them. Correct, that is one of them. Um, on the on the other end of the spectrum, uh, I shanked my first ever kick in Test rugby on debut, so that also jumped off for the wrong reasons. Um, uh, what obviously the, that moment when I ran onto the field for the first time in a Springbok jersey. Um, I still get goosebumps thinking about that. Um, being involved in two World Cups with South Africa as well. Uh, those were very, very special times. Um, yeah, I think we've, we've done well with that list. um pat the the incident involving cj um of course that was the start uh of uh, of the problems um i I remember chatting to him soon after it happened uh, and i spoke to and asked uh, had he had chatted to you since then and and he said he had Uh, was that indeed Mm. the case Do do you bear any grudges no i certainly don't bear any grudges um he did come into the medical room in the tunnel at Newlands that day straight away to apologize to me and to my family actually. Um, we also traveled on the same airplane the following day with the Irish team and I bumped into him again and he was also apologetic. And um, I actually saw him last year after well, after two games that Russing played against um, Munster in and we sat and had a drink together afterwards and, and caught up so Look, he's an old teammate of mine. We came up through the school system together. Um, I don't think there was anything malicious. Uh, I don't think it was done on purpose. If anything, maybe just a little bit reckless. But as I said it before, I think you know, rugby is a contact sport and there are certain, um, certain contact situations or, or situations on the field that are uncontrollable. And there are a lot of players who would admit to some reckless moments in their careers. Um, so if anything, it might have just been that a little bit careless. When I did chat to him uh, years ago, just before he had been selected for Ireland, uh, he was on their radar. Um, there were all, always the question marks as to why did he leave South Africa, and he blamed a, a couple of coaches, saying that that he he should have moved over to hooker and not stayed a flanker. And <laughs> do you do you bear any grudges in terms of coaches in your career? Because I think anyone who knows anything about rugby, having seen you play, they would say that 56 caps, while anyone would only, could, could only ever dream of, of achieving that amount, I think in your case, mm-hmm. it, it, it almost belies how talented you are or were um, because you were worth so, so much more, especially given how young you were when you started your international career. Um, do you, is there a feeling that you were perhaps messed around? We spoke about the utility back uh, denominator earlier. I mean, that, that must have played a role. Yeah, I think the fact that I could play in a few different positions was actually an advantage. I think that contributed to me being selected the number of times that I did. Had I not been able to cover more than one position or not play in, in more than one position, I might not have been selected as many times. So I do not regret that at all. Uh, obviously, um, there are some periods in my career where I would have loved to have had, you know, five, six, seven consecutive test matches in one position, um, which didn't happen very often. But there were reasons behind that and you know, we mentioned injuries earlier. It was often I was coming into the international setup without much rugby under my belt. So 
understandably coaches um were reluctant to 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 hand me uh, you know a starting role and try and find my feet on the international arena so um i i have extremely extremely fond memories of all my years in the springbok jersey I, i look back on them with nothing but pride and i feel very very blessed to have been selected 36 times and to have been involved from 2010 right through until 2016 under under three different coaches and with a whole bunch of fantastic players coaches that stand out for you uh, from both a, a springbok perspective and provincial and uh, club perspective I think I'm forever grateful to John Plumtree who was the Sharks coach when I first came onto the scene and he was the one who gave me my first crack at uh, professional rugby um and he was very well assisted by Grant Bashford um I walked a long journey with Sean Everett who was my under 21 coach at the Sharks and then Kerry Captain Super Rugby coach that later down the line who has always been extremely supportive um And then from a Springbok point of view I I'm also forever grateful to Peter De Villiers who um who gave me my first Springbok test cap and backed me at the World Cup in 2011 as a fullback um and he was assisted by Jackie and Gary Gold so I guess they they're the ones that that stand out at the top of my head at the moment Yeah, I remember Sean Everett. I met him for the first time a couple of months ago in Mauritius, funny enough. And uh we had a, a few drinks on the beach uh well into the night. Uh, a highly entertaining guy uh, apart from being a, a very good coach. Correct. Really good for team here and um knows how to have fun on and off the field. And I think if I'm not mistaken the majority of your Springbok career took place under the guideship of Heineke Meyer. Yeah, that's correct. He was the four years between 2012 and 2015. And what was that like? I I think I I learned probably the the most I've learned from a from a coach um from Heineke Meyer. I think he was the most organized forward thinking um black and white kind of coach. um that that I ever had I think he knew exactly what he wanted and um he was very very um, meticulous about the detail and about the preparation um he had stories to tell for days and days and days um little superstitions and things too which were very entertaining um but really loved to be philosophical about things and tell you life lessons and life stories um that related to rugby so Um, you know we we were given schedules for the 2015 rugby world cup like minute by minute blow um day by day two years in advance um you know so he was very meticulous with his planning he knew exactly what he wanted from a game plan and strategy point of view so um i guess i learned i learned a whole lot from him Yeah, he I actually also caught up with him uh, a couple of days ago. We we chatted about your retirement and uh, he also had uh, glowing words to say about you. I was Thank truly you. blessed and honored to coach a guy like Pat Lambie. You know, Pat was one of the most talented players I've ever coached. Uh he was really really a brave player, always put his body on the line and uh, always played for his teammates next to him. Uh, he had a great kicking game. Was an unbelievable brave defender and was brilliant under the high ball. 
But uh, the thing that will st stand out for me and the legacy that will stand out for me is Pat Lamy, the human being. Uh, not just in rugby, but he's probably the best human being I've ever met. You know, Pat is a, is a guy of an unbelievable character, a lot of integrity. And uh, I don't know of any person or any uh, teammate that didn't like Pat. Um, even here in France, he's, a, he's an unbelievable, likable guy. And I've always said, you know, he's one of the guys with the best manners I've ever met. And I would like my sons to be, uh, to grow up to be a man like him. So uh, I just want to say good luck, Pat. Um, you know, you've really enriched my life. You've been an unbelievable ambassador for, uh, for the Sharks, but uh, mostly for South Africa as well. And, um, you know, whatever Pat does, he's much bigger than rugby. He will be successful in life. And I just want to wish him the best for his, for his life. And uh, hopefully we'll see him back in rugby. I think he can be an awesome coach. But whatever he decides to do, he'll be a success. And like I said, um, he really enriched my life. Uh, one of the best memories I have uh, as a coach. And, um, you know, just unbelievable human being. And um, you don't get better than Pat Lambie. Thanks, Pat. Nice hearing those words. Yeah, very, very humbling. Um, yeah, there was some some really, really generous comments there, and I appreciate it. So, thank you very much, Coach. It's uh, it's an overriding theme that uh, yeah, John Smith saying that uh, he would have liked his daughters to have dated you. Henneke saying that he would have liked his sons to have been like you, um, and saying that the, <laughs> the best human he's ever met. I mean, that's that's quite a title to to have. <laughs> There's a bit of pressure there. <laughs> Uh -huh. <laughs> no, but I feel very honoured that I've had those, those compliments from people that I hold in high regard myself. Teammates that stand out for you, Pat, uh, during your playing days, uh, guys that really made their mark. Of course, you as a player, as you heard, made a mark on coaches and players alike, but uh, guys that stood out for you, not necessarily captains and coaches? Yeah, again, I, I the, the people that jump out to me are players that took me under their wing and um, set a great example for me early on in my days and two of them being Jacques Wurtis, um, who was a, a real humble man and, you know, carried himself with humility um, and dignity on and off the field and I really learned a lot from him. And the other one was Stefan Blanche, who was the ultimate professional, um, haven't seen anyone train as hard or put in as, as um, many extras as I saw him doing and both of those gentlemen set a really good example for me and try to teach me as much as they could and share as much as they could with me from my first day in the shark setup as a young player I think it, you, you say young player I think it must have been pretty tough mm. for you coming straight out of school into provincial rugby and then into the Springbok setup at the age of 20. You're also a schoolboy prodigy. I mean, not only rugby, uh, you're also a very good cricketer, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, I really did enjoy my cricket at school. Um, there was a long time at, uh, at school. You know, as a teenager, I wanted to be a, a professional cricketer, and, and that, uh, that changed towards the end of my school career. Um, but I think what made a huge difference um, being a young player at the Sharks, um, like I said, I had people and players that took me under their wing um, and tried to help me learn as quickly as possible. But if I looked around everywhere in the change room at the Sharks, there were Springboks and internationals everywhere I looked. So, I mean, I think there were 13 or 14 Springbok players in the Sharks 
and the first Sharks team that I was involved with. So when I when I was selected for the Springboks, I guess um, uh, it, it wasn't as intimidating or as overwhelming because I'd already been playing with so many of the players who were, who were in the Springboks setup. You mentioned Peter de Villiers. So he was your first Springbok coach and you slotted in beautifully yeah. at fullback uh, during that World Cup campaign in 2011 over in New Zealand. Um, d- there was that famous match against Australia, of course, which we lost. Um, and I remember you had a shot at post with a drop goal, which uh, came inches uh, from going over, which would have pu- put us ahead. Um, yeah. But, I mean, w- we've got to mention the name Bryce Lawrence. Um how how gutted were you? I mean, obviously not just with the loss, but I mean, it, it must have been extremely painful knowing that someone could potentially have cost you a, a World Cup. Look, that was one of the the darkest days in my career to go back into that that change room um, in Wellington after the final whistle and to see how distraught everyone was and to see, you know, grown men, fierce competitors in tears because their dreams were shattered. Um, it was a really difficult moment. Um, yeah, I feel, I feel very lucky to have been involved in a, in a team like that because there were Springbok legends all over the place in that changing. Um, and we all believed that we were onto something very special and, uh, and it was, uh, yeah, it was heart wrenching that that we we lost that quarterfinal. Yeah, it certainly was. So, uh, uh, of course, we we ended up uh, going down to New Zealand uh, four years later in, in a nail biter over in London. Now, I spoke mm. about you getting into the professional ranks from a very early age. So, you're arguably one of the most recognisable faces in South Africa when it came to rugby. Um, was it a nice change? I, I think going over to France, getting away. From being recognised wherever you go, yeah, I think um, it's been an incredible um, experience coming to France, uh, living in a foreign city and a city like Paris, where um, I think unless you're a, a Hollywood movie star, you know, no one, no one will recognise you. You can get lost in the crowd. Um, but also, the experience I've had at Racing, um, playing in the top fourteen in the European Champions Cup has been very refreshing. Um, the club is incredible with the facilities, the state of the art. And yeah, I've shared a change room with some some really, really good players too. So the whole the whole change of coming to France has been good from a life and from a rugby point of view. And I'm very happy that I have been able to experience this um, even just for the last 18 months before having to hang up my boots. I think I would have Regretted not of experience life and rugby um, outside of South Africa. How big a change is it uh, being playing rugby in France as opposed to in South Africa? It's huge. The, you know everything is different from the, the language to the, the conditions to the, the mentality. Um, weekly schedules different. The training routines are different. Um, the yeah the the approach to home and away games completely bizarre um, yeah so it's uh, the the season runs through Christmas and New Year's um, and yeah you, you play almost thirty games a year so um, 
it's, it's completely different to Super Rugby and the Curry Cup and, and the rugby that I was used to for most of my career. You say different. Um, we, we've got to ask, tougher, easier, or on a, on a different level completely? Um, I think it's, it's as physical, if not more physical than, than Super Rugby. It's definitely not as quick as Super Rugby. Um, it's faster than, than Curry Cup but not as consistently fast as a Super Rugby match. Um, and then, obviously, the longevity of the competition here makes it so difficult as well. Um, you know, you start in September and you only finish at the end of May or the beginning of June the following year. So it really is a nine, ten-month season with matches on the go all the time. And you're jumping from the French competition to the European competition and back again. Um, you know, so you have two competitions intertwined in each other. So, um, yeah, it takes a lot to get yourself up, you know, week in and week out for such a long period of time. And with all the, the cold conditions of the winter as well, cold, wet conditions. There are rumours floating about, I don't know how true they are, that uh, Bastro might have a stint in Super Rugby playing with uh, your former team, the Sharks. Uh, do you think you'd be a, a good fit for them? So is that Gastro you said? Gastro stand comes? No, no, Bastro, the centre. Oh, Bastro, sorry. I misheard you there. I've also heard that rumour. Um, yes, and I think that it would be it would be a good fit both for the player and for the Sharks. I think, um, you know, Bastro is a, is a legend in France and um, he's very highly respected or highly regarded here. So I think he would love the experience of of coming to South Africa um, and playing in a Super Rugby competition. Um, he'll be up against the, the best um, from New Zealand and Australia and obviously in South Africa too. So um, I think it would be a very healthy decision for him. He'd be looked after extremely well in Durban from a player management and a conditioning point of view. And I think he'd learn a lot playing in Super Rugby. And he'd obviously be a big weapon for the Sharks. Obviously, in South Africa, I mean, we only really get to see him um, when he's playing for France and unless we're watching the, the odd uh, uh, French uh, club match. But uh, mm. how, how is he a centre? <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> you tell me. Yeah. I mean, is he, uh, it looks like it's impossible, but I mean, he, he makes it happen. Is he quick to play against? I mean, does he, his, his size belie his speed? So he moves around, he gets around the park, um, and he's certainly not the, the most friendly-looking human being when you're standing opposite him at a set piece, knowing that he's going to come charging down at you. Um, yeah, so like I said, he's a, he's a huge weapon on the field. He's, he's big and strong, and he gets moving, and he's great with offload um, and keeping the ball moving, so... Uh, he'd be a big asset to the Sharks, and I think it would grow his game as well, um, having the experience of um, training and playing with the Sharks in a Super Rugby competition. Okay, now back to you. I mentioned that back in South Africa, once the news filtered through that uh, you're hang- hanging up your boots, a lot of people very upset by the news, players, coaches, journalists, people, fans, the works. Mm. And, and one in sp- uh, particular, Sibusisu uh, Mdjikaliso, who's a well-known journalist here in South Africa, and he covered uh, many of the Sharks matches back in the day when he was based in Durban. He's also the author of Being a Black Springbok, the Tund Manana story. And uh, I chatted to him also 
regarding his feelings because he he wrote a, a column a couple of days ago called "Oh God, not not another Lambie piece," and uh, that's yeah. a, a quote from his editor at the time because he said that what he would do is when he had to write really meaty pieces, the one subject he knew above all else was you. And he used to just submit article after article after article about you. And uh, eventually his editor got a bit fed up with it, but uh, yeah, he just kept on churning it out. So if there's one man who certainly is an authority on the subject that is you, it's uh, Sabu. So uh, this is what he had to say. I really, really think it's one of the biggest um, losses in South African rugby. He, the, he had no airs and graces about him, man. He's just a, a quality rugby player and a quality human being. Um, I shouldn't speak about him in, in the past tense, of course, because uh, he's still a quality human being and, and a genuine nice guy. And, you know, I remember touring with Henneke Mayo's box to, to Australia. Um, my one and only tour with the box to, to Brisbane where they played uh, the Wallabies um there at the Suncorp Stadium, uh, and uh, I remember being on the on the plane, and and then the the, the airport bus that shuttles you inside. I, I think Pat was the only one that spoke to me after that game because I I had to, as it was my job to tear into the spring box after their defeat, which they they threw away to a, a Kurindrani late try. And, and and Pat and I, I don't remember the joke, but I made some joke that Pat still had the humor, uh, uh, you know, to laugh at, which I appreciated. Uh, yeah, so for me, a great loss, a uh, huge loss. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I actually feel that his role now should men- should be for mentoring guys like Cohen Bosch at the Sharks, mentoring... The the real underdog guys have really never been given a chance. You know, if you look at Cohen Bosch's frame and stature, uh, criticized a lot for his defense. I think a guy like Lambie would be very, very useful. We really ought not to throw the baby with the bathwater this time around. But other than that, farewell, Pat. You've given us great, great memories, especially me. Yeah, nice. Yeah, uh, thank you. Yeah, nice yeah. to hear those words. Yeah, thank you very much, Boo. And I did read your, your article too. Uh, Kate showed me it and I had a few chuckles and laughs. So thank you for your support over the years. So, I mean, we, so what does the future hold for Pat Lambie? I mean, you, you're currently in Paris. So are you going to be staying there for the indefinite future or making your way back to SA? Derek, I think we... We would like to be back in South Africa eventually, um, close to family and friends, and Durban is home, so um, that's where we, we see ourselves in the in the distant future. Um, for the next month, I'm going to be in Paris, at least for the next month, because I have some medical appointments and um, some paperwork and meetings to attend to just wrap up everything with the club and the whole medical file here. So we have to stay here for at least the next month. And then we're going to use this time to let this decision digest a bit and to see what options there are for, for life after rugby. Yeah, you mentioned the options. Um, uh, would, would coaching be on the radar? I'm not sure about coaching. Um I said to my family many years ago, 
please don't ever let me become a coach because <laughs> I, I've seen how stressful it can be as a profession and as a job. Um, but having said that, I really would like to give back in some way and, you know, whether that's through skills or through mentoring or through coaching itself, uh, I'm not exactly sure at this stage. I'm, I'm an open book and, um, I'm certainly not going to rush into any, any decisions and I'm, I'm happy to, to try a few different things out before, uh, stepping down into something permanent. So, We'll see what happens and what transpires over the next few weeks. Uh, before you go, sorry, I know it's been a very long interview. I did send you a message earlier saying that I would uh, quiz you on this. So I hope you did come prepared. Uh, your World 15, including players that you've played with and against. So the Pat Lambie 15, go. Wow. Um, I thought you were asking me for two different teams, one that was against and one oh. that was with. Oh, let's do it. That's even better. <laughs> We don't, okay. Uh, so we'll start with, with against. Um, should I just rattle them off? 1 to 15? Yeah, yeah go for it. 1, one to 15. Let's okay. 1 to 15. Gareth Jenkins from Wales. 2, Kevin Mialamu. New Zealand. 3, Austin Runt from uh, the Cheetahs. 4, Bucky Buerta from the Bulls. 5, Paul O'Connell from Ireland. 6, David Popak from Australia, seven Richie McCaw, New Zealand, eight Kieran Reed, New Zealand, nine Connor Murray, Ireland, ten Dan Carter, New Zealand, eleven Namani Nadolo, Fiji, twelve Sunny Bo Williams, New Zealand, thirteen Brian O'Driscoll, Ireland, fourteen Wataki Naholo, New Zealand, and fifteen Ben Smith, New Zealand. Lovely. Next year, with with all right one the B. Two, Bismarck, Super C. Three, John Smith. Four, Eben, Elizabeth. Five, Peter Steph, Detroit. Six, Goldberger. Seven, Adi Sevier. I played with in the Barbarians. Eight, Willem Albert. Nine, Fury Dupree. Ten, Dan Carter. I played with at Racing. Eleven, Brian Abana. Twelve, John de Villiers. Thirteen, Vermi Bakatawa from Racing. 14, J.P. Peterson, and 15, Charles Piertal, who I played with in the Barbarian. Wow, two great sides. Interesting uh, selecting Sevier in uh, the players that you played with. Yeah, I really I really like the way he goes about his business. Um, he's pumping his legs in contact. He's fast. He's got a huge engine on him. He's got great skills, catching, passing. Um, yeah, he loves making big hits as well, so... Um, I enjoyed my, my game with him and I've admired his career. Lovely stuff. Uh, Pat Lambie, thanks so much, man, uh, Yeah, for giving up your time. Like I said, it's uh, really sad news from, from down here, uh, hearing that uh, yeah. you will no longer be gracing the fields of South Africa and beyond as a springbok, as a shark, as a racing player. Um, and yeah, who knows what the future holds, as you said, uh, hopefully from your sake it yeah. doesn't include coaching. Uh, but uh, yeah, maybe we'll, we'll see how, how, things, uh, how the cards fall. We wish yeah. you the best of luck with your future and um, we'll hope to see you and your family back in South Africa soon. When, when's the little one due? Thank you. Um, the little one is due in June this year, oh, so we have some time still. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Well, just around the corner. Pat, uh, yeah. have a great time. Thank you. Cheers, man. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Inside the Game. Brought to you by Radar Media.